Hello, good morning. How are you guys? All right. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning. My name's Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors. And you're uh, you're here on a great first week as we kick off a brand new series called Any Given Sunday. Before we dive into that, let me just backtrack from Sunday to Saturday. Yesterday, I just want to say thank you to uh, the many, many Marines, United States Marines, come on in the house uh, for helping, yeah, all our armed forces guys. I know all the Army guys weren't exceptionally clapping, as I said, Marines, but that's good, right? We're all on the same team, just like churches, right? I just want to say thanks to a bunch of guys who showed up yesterday and did a bunch of work on our church property and got their photo taken, and it's about to show up, that photo, it's coming, there it is! And the guy in the middle is Vince, uh, and he plays uh, our bass guitar over here, and he had a bunch of guys show up yesterday and help us out to kind of kick off uh, some of the work, some of the stuff that we'll be doing out there on the church property as we prepare for and get pumped up, fired up for Easter. So thank you to our Marines. My church loves some Marines. We can drop that. We're kicking off a series called Any Given Sunday. Now let me just say off the bat, I don't even think I've seen the entire movie, Any Given Sunday. Has anyone ever seen the movie in its entirety? You've seen it? All right. I looked it up because I just couldn't remember completely. I think I've caught pieces of it on TV. But I know Al Pacino's in it. Uh, Jamie Foxx is in it. And it has to do with football, right? And I just realized that we're doing sort of a football-themed uh, message series, and it's not football season. That's a little weird, I know, all right? But we just do stuff around here, and we make it work. Like, I'm going to have to say... We're doing this series because we miss football. See how I just worked that in? Like, it works now, right? We miss football, so it works. But let me tell you this. The reason I really picked this was because of the title. It just helped me think of the idea and really fact that on any given Sunday, God could do whatever he wanted to do. And so the idea of this series is, for the next four weeks, is for us to be challenged from God's Word, for us to look at our hearts, look at our lives, and look at us as a whole, as a church, of how are we anticipating? How are we showing up with hope and expectancy that God could do something in a word's notice? Let me just put this in perspective from my vantage point. Uh, About 24 years ago, I... Uh, 25 years ago, I was 19, and I lost a mom. And somewhere in the year after following my mom's death, my relationship with God just skyrocketed. It first went from, oh my gosh, my world's ended, to, oh my gosh, I need Jesus, where are you? This is the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. To God and I just having a relationship like I, I covet now. There was, there was less back then uh, to uh, impede my connection with God. I didn't have three kids. <laughs> I wasn't leading a church. It was, just, it was just me back then, right? And man, during that desperate time, God showed up in my life and, and just took over my heart. Just, I mean, I don't know a better way to say it than God just, God really did a work in me. I really, really changed from some old ways and got serious about life. And, I mean, it wasn't I lost any of my playfulness. I was just as goofy and fun and loved life. 
But man, I just, I just had a purpose. I had clarity. And I just, I really recognized God's grace and love for me. And I just, I sold out one Sunday. On a particular Sunday, I was in New Testament Baptist Church. Come on. And a pastor was preaching. And I was like in the back row with my buddies. But God, I was listening that morning. And, and I'm just, the Spirit of God just moved me. Just straight up moved me like never before. And on that Sunday, I came down front, old school style, and said, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Like, I, w- I was already saved. was already a Christian. I was already going to heaven. That, that deal was covered. I, I said yes to God already previously when I was younger. But on that day, I said yes to, like, knowing God was leading me to, s- to step it up and go all in and give my life to him like in I was going to be a preacher someday. I didn't have that in those words then. I didn't really know what I was doing at that moment, but that was the Sunday I felt like God was saying, I want you on my team, let's, 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 let's have impact. Let's, let's live your life with a, with, a, with a real serious purpose. And on any given Sunday, any given Sunday, God could transform our lives. Do you know with a word, with a word, God spoke the world into existence. God said, let there be light. There was light, Right? Just think, just think of the, the audacious claims of Christianity. We believe there's one God, right? We believe there's only one way. The Bible says that there is only one way to God, that's through Jesus. I, the, the, the way I memorize the verse, it's called Highway, uh, Highway 317. John 317, right? It says there's one way to Christ. One way. That's audacious, right? Act like we got it and everybody else is wrong. We're the, we're the ones that right. It's right. Isn't that crazy? What a claim. But when you think about the fact that there was a guy who said, I'm going to die for the sins of mankind. It was predicted before he ever showed up on the scene. He went, got dead, right? I'm going to die. He goes and gets dead. Oh, and I'm going to come back. And he comes back from life. I mean, as we've said before, we're with him, right? Anybody that can do that, I'm in. And so what I want to show you this morning is we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that kind of helps us look at our lives and maybe where we are or where we aren't in terms of this connectivity with God. Because I think God wants us to get to, almost go back to, let me show you this picture of this little kid that I found, this verse, Philippians 4.13. Remember, remember, remember when you had, that, that was you, right, if you were a little guy? Girls, you must have wore princess dresses, because I don't think you were doing that as much. But that was me. That, that really wasn't me as a kid, but that, that's like me as a kid. Ed, you were like that too, but you were, trying to, you were in UGA uniforms with a cape, right? That's us as a kid, right? Remember how that was when you were a kid? You believed you could do anything. I, I could fly until you jumped off the roof and you broke your leg, right? right? We, you believed you could conquer anything. But here, when you read a verse like this, Philippians 4.13, I can do what? What does it say? All things. Do you believe that? Seriously? On Sunday I do. But on Monday I'm like, I'm an adult now. God may show up and I may do this and I may look like a fool, right? We, we can lose the art of really believing that we can do all things through Christ because of his strength. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. As a church, what would it be like if we showed up every Sunday with the hopeful anticipation, expecting that God could do the unimaginable. Um, there's, you can drop that. I'll, 
just pictured that kids with armpit hairs, and I didn't want to have that vision any longer. Um, it, it, that makes no sense, I know. Um, he just grew up like 25 years. So um, I, I just want to say that it's, it's easy over time for us to live life and forget some of the memories. Anybody, anybody like me, you're, you're, you're getting in your 40s, you're starting to forget stuff that happened. My wife and I sat at the roller skating rink last night as my son and one of his buddies skated around. And she reminded me, she goes, you remember in college we used to go roller skating? And remember you skated backwards and you held my hands and I thought you were so cool. And I was like, I didn't have the, I didn't have the guts to tell her, I, I've never skated backwards. <laughs> she was here last hour and I didn't say that then. But you tell my wife, Jeff said today that he'd never skated backwards. So she was with somebody else. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. She thinks I skated backwards like I was all cool and could skate backwards like with like the whole like hand thing. I never skated backwards in my life. So anyways, I do remember skating with my wife and we were we remember those things. But you know how some things you don't forget every now and then you look you are right here. Oh my gosh. Wow. You sat over there this morning. You tricked me. Oh, wow. I really did not see you there. I thought you were over this morning. She sat over there. You remember you said that to me last night? I never skated backwards. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Jesus, thank you. Have a, have a great day. Love you. Bless you. Is my face red? Oh, my gosh. This is like the worst public display of I didn't expect. Let me tell you, can I, this is totally trailing off, but I'll come back. The worst, my worst uh, embarrassing moment happened like two weeks ago. I was going to find a way to weave this into a sermon. This doesn't fit. I'll use it someday when it fits, maybe. But like two weeks ago, I go to a daddy-daughter dance at St. Luke, their school, church deal. And uh, we, I'm dancing with my daughter. We're hanging out. And the MC DJ guy uh, is trying to get dads to come up on stage. And my daughter, Ashley, has like 20 of her friends. They're like, Mr. Jeff, Mr. Jeff. And they push me up with and some other guy, his daughter got him to go up. And all of a sudden, the guy goes, all right, dance. And I'm up there, and I'm like, I'm like doing like, you know, this stuff. And I'm thinking I'm cool, right? This other dad looks like, I'm not judging guys with glasses, but he looks like the ultimate banker type. Look like Clark Kent, like, like really dorky looking kind of guy. I assumed I was cooler than him, all right? And all of a sudden, he starts like dance battling me and I'm mesmerized and I just stood there going like like this and he starts doing the worm and like getting in my face going like this and and I'm just I'm blown away and I just got like like totally nervous like I was in seventh grade looking like an absolute dork and when it was all said and done all those little girls said to my daughter Asha your daddy let us down (laughs) I swear and I walked off, and another, one of my buddies was, was out there, and he said, dude, you've never looked more stupid in your entire life. <laughs> so that's what I just felt like a moment ago. All right. So you know how you have memories, but some things you, you forget and some things you hold on to? All right. My wife forgot that wasn't me that could, could skate backwards. I know that. But I, 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 can, I have other memories that I remember. I remember my first kiss in eighth grade. You remember your first kiss? eighth grade, we were playing this game. We showed up at this girl's birthday party, my buddies and I, and they, they had this game. I'm sure the parents weren't instituting the game. It was called, it's really brilliant, it's called RS, uh, RCK, Run, Catch, Kiss. 
So it was like, someone goes and hides, whoever you find, you have to kiss. And I'm not, I'm not saying this is right if you're a student in here, you're below the age of like 30, okay? I'm saying this is completely wrong, and, and do whatever your parents say is right for you, and if you do against what their will is, I'll, I'll pray acne on you, okay? <laughs> Just saying, like the whole face, acne, even on the shoulders, okay? So people are pointing. Do you have, sir, acne on your back? Okay. Um, so th- we better hurry because this could be a long service. So I remember that kiss. I mean, I, I, I remember it. I walked up to this girl. She was hidden behind a tree. I kind of had hoped to pick the prettier one out. I, I found the pretty one. I was like, all right. She was like four inches taller than me. And I was a little embarrassed, but it, I, I was like, all right, so how do we do this? My, can I, do I just go ahead and kiss you? Or do we have to talk a while or what? It was my very first kiss. I leaned up and I kissed her and she laughed. But it didn't matter. I walked in with, like, all high voice. I walked out with my buddies going, like, yeah, what's up? Mm-hmm. Kiss my first girl. What's up? So I remember that. I remember, I remember as a young wee lad, like, remembered something so special the very first time I, my mouth touched bacon. Just bacon. Like, do you remember the first time you had, like, a food that just, like, blew your mind? Bacon was it for me. Bacon has been, like, we have, a, have a, like, a really beautiful love relationship. Fried pig's butt is, like, you got to have it. I remember, I remember in college... 20 buddies of mine, uh, we, would, we would on Friday nights, again, this is something if you're a student, <laughs> don't do as I've done, this, is, this did cost me and, and got in some trouble, but we used to sneak out on Friday nights and, and our college had a, a major highway that divided parts of the campus, and uh, I went to Liberty University Christian College, so it was, some of the rules were just like a little odd for a college student, like curfew, but we had it. And um, we would sneak out on Friday nights, and we'd sneak under, under the highway in these culverts and come out on the other side where the railroad track was, and we would run down the train, seriously, grab the train and ride the train to the next city. And it was awesome <laughs> until I got busted. And, then my da- and it was a really bad thing. So don't do that. All the Ricks family, your kids, sorry about that. My, my bad. But it is bad. I remember my wedding day. I remember... <clears throat> being so excited. Uh, those of you guys know, like, you're, you know, what that's like. You're, my, I've never been married before. I, I've been waiting all my life, you know, dated girls, found the one that I wanted to give my life to. I remember seeing Christy come down the aisle. I teared up. My pastor called me out on it, you know, and, and it was kind of a funny moment, but I teared up. And I just remember, I got a picture of that day. I got a picture of us right after we were married. That's us. Yes, aren't we awesome? She's still hot. And, but I look at this picture and I think, here's these young people. I don't remember that guy. I really don't even remember that guy. I, got the, I, I did just bring back that hairstyle, though. You notice that? I kind of did the whole swoop it up off my head deal. I just wanted to go back because I want my baby to remember to think I was still hot. So, um, but I remember, I remember the, the way we felt then. The, the hopeful anticipation of we've got the world at our hands. We can do anything. And then all of a sudden we had three kids, right? And then things changed. And then what happens in all of us and all of our relationships, as life throws you curveballs and as you add more kids, by the way, you know what kids stands for, keeping intimacy at a distance successfully, right? So as life throws you curveballs and as you have more kids, all of a sudden what do you do? 
In all relationships, what do you do? You adjust. And somehow along the way, as you adjust to make life more manageable, we got jobs now, you know, I lead this, you lead that, I, I oversee this, we have to manage that. And as, as life happens over time, to make things more manageable, you adjust. And sometimes those adjustments have cost you something, right? That was a bad adjustment. That was a bad decision. You know, we've made bad decisions in our marriage before. We shouldn't have bought that. That hurt us budget-wise. You know, we did this. But along the way, as you make these adjustments, such as having kids, you make these adjustments because you realize, you start to get to a point where you think, well, maybe, maybe life won't be back the way it used to be. Maybe we won't have that wedding bliss any longer. Maybe, maybe we'll never have that newness, that freshness. Maybe, maybe we'll never have the amount of time we used to have just to lay on the couch and watch movies all night because we know if we do, the kids are waking up at 6 a.m. So you back off, you adjust, you make adjustments. Some of you guys bought a house that was maybe bigger than your budget and you made adjustments. In the same terms relationally, there's, there's this book in the Bible that John writes where he talks about how over time, if we're not really, really careful spiritually in our relationship with Jesus, that over time we can forget and make adjustments based on how life has thrown us curveballs. We make adjustments and we just get okay with drifting away. And sometimes you even don't, we, we, we don't even realize we've drifted away. I know many, many marriages, many marriages that all you are right now are, are business partners. You're just business partners. You talk about the budget, you manage the kids, and you go to bed and you go to work the next day. And that's all there is relationally. John, I want to show you this, this book today that John writes, the entire book. John, one of the, the, the followers of Jesus, he's the guy that if you ever heard, he gets exiled because of him serving Jesus. He gets kicked off and gets exiled to an island called Patmos. I, I was just so fortunate to go with Christie's dad, and I saw this island when, where John was exiled, where God, where God supernaturally, i got to use that word, God supernaturally breathes into him and his hands write the book of Revelation in, God, in, in the Bible. And i got to just say that if you've ever dabbled and read in the, the book of Revelation, it's a little freaky, right? It's a little crazy. I mean, you guys, you, you be honest, like me. You, you've, you've read some Revelation, you went, Huh? All right, you know what I'm saying? And so sometimes when you, when you read stuff like that, and it's like, God, I know you want us to understand your word, but Revelation freaks me out a bit. Reve- what Revelation does, Revelation leads you to a place of going, do I or don't I believe God's word? <laughs> right? Because if you believe Revelation, then you'd have to just say, all right, God, there's something in this that's a little bit different, a little bit crazy, so either you're really, really believable, and this is something I should believe, or, or John ate some bad mushrooms on the island. I don't know, all right? So let me, let me just, let me set this up for you. Revelation chapter 2. This is now uh, about 60 years after the church has begun, about 60 years after Jesus ascended into in the, in the heaven and said, um, as he was leaving, all right, guys, I love you. You're awesome. Now go and make disciples. Go and, and, and be the church. Start the church. And so just a, you know, a few weeks after Jesus left, disciples get together and they're like, oh my gosh, what do we do? 
but man, we've seen a dead man walking, so I'm all in. Let's do it. Let's, let's risk lives. It doesn't matter because we've seen a guy predict his death. He got dead, rose from the dead. We're all in. So all of a sudden, on any given Sunday, it was called the day of Pentecost, just a few, a few weeks later, 3,000 people. Like, just imagine, all of a sudden, years of Jewish history and Judaism and, and religion, stuff they you know, had given their whole lives to, they abandoned because a dead man was walking, and, and 3,000 people in one day, like we're talking about, any given Sunday, God can do anything. On that Sunday, 3,000 people give their life to Christ and give up years of tradition and say, I'm following the Jesus guy. So fast forward from there, we call that, that time, that era, kind of the Acts 2 church, when they were just clicking on all cylinders. We fast forward about 60 years as John's writing to the seven churches that are still remaining from those early days. He's writing to seven churches, and he's writing in particular in chapter 2 to one church called the Church of Ephesus, <clears throat> which is modern-day Turkey. All right, so you got John. He's, he's, he's having God inspire him on this island all by himself to write to the church. And let me just add this. God is speaking to the church. And symbolically, all through the Bible, it is recognized and known. Whenever God's speaking to the church, it's, it's as if he is the groom, the groom speaking to his bride. So as we read this picture, the ultimate perfect groom, husband, speaking to his beloved bride. And so he's talking in context of relationship. How the husband ought to really love his bride and here we go, Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, God, God writes, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. See, I told you, right? This is where you go, okay, God, do I believe this book or not? Because that was just weird. All right, let me just fill you in. In, in chapter 1, it talks about, the, the fact that John's writing to seven churches, hence seven lampstands. Also, know that the lampstands give, the, give you the visual of light. This is God basically saying, my presence being in seven churches. So he's talking about God's presence, what God's been doing in seven churches. So here's the seven golden lampstands. And he says this in verse 2, I know your deeds. So he kind of starts going into this compliment sandwich here. You guys know what a compliment, compliment sandwich is? You, if you don't, you should know this before you go into marriage. It's always good to uh, cushion whatever you really need to say with, like, some kindness, some, some setup before you go into the punchline. It's like, uh, remember in college, uh, my professor said, now listen, you're going you're gonna to have all types of thoughts if you're leading a church and you'll have people that have never been church and people with all kind of backgrounds and they'll have different ideas and you know you 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 applaud those ideas but sometimes you'll have someone who's just mean and nasty and they're you know upset you're gonna have to give them the compliment sandwich and so there's been experiences as a pastor where I'm like all right hey man I just want you to know man you I, I like you you're awesome man you you dress real sharp you got cool shoes but you got no integrity Okay, that's what like the compliment sandwich is like, all right? It was supposed to be kind of funny. All right, so here's John. 
It's not really happened like that. Okay, so he says, John says, I know your deeds. Good job. You're, you've been working hard, and you've been persevering. You've not quit. I recognize what you've been doing, and this, you're, you're doing good. I know that you can't, you've, you've not tolerated wicked people. Good job. You're not, like, falling to, you know, sin and letting, you know, the, the outside world dictate the, the, the church and where it goes. So good job. You're not tolerating wicked people trying to lead the church astray. And, and good job that you've been testing those people who are claiming to be followers of Christ and aren't teaching sound doctrine or teaching something that's, that's false and not from the Bible. Good job. You're doing good. Verse 3. And guess what? I'm proud of you. You've, you've persevered. You've not quit. And you've, in, you've even endured hardships for my name. This is God, the groom, talking to his beloved bride. You've endured hardships for my name. And you've not grown weary. Good job. There's, there's the compliment sandwich. And here we go, verse 4. But, but something always comes. But, or yet, yet I'm holding something against you. And you go, okay, here it comes, right? But listen to this. This is the most perfect, loving, holy husband talking to the bride that he's already proven his love to. He's already died for her. He's already sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice for her. And he says to her, here's, here's what I want to say. Here's what's a bit upsetting to me. You have, you have forsaken the love that you had first. You have forsaken the love that we had that was first. Like there's, there's, been, there's been other things that's crept into our relationship that has caused you to drift. And I want you at this moment to consider, just consider potentially how far you've fallen. In other versions, it says consider the height that you have fallen. So you've got this relational context that's going on here where the groom's looking at the bride going, we're missing the spark. <laughs> there's, a, there's, that, there's, that, there's that wedding bliss that we had 60 years ago, I would, I would venture to say that it was probably because they saw a dead, dead man walking, right? Made it a little bit easier for them. But in 60 years, things have drifted. And maybe you're not quite thinking about me the same way that we used to think about each other. And that's not a good thing. That's, that's not a good thing. And so, so consider how far you've fallen. Now, I just want to say this. That God refuses to accept something that's good at the expense of something that's great. And I know far too many people, myself included, that over time I have drifted and exchanged maybe some truths for some lies that I can't really know God like that. Or I've messed up so many times that he and I are broken in the relationship to some degree that I'll never be back where I was. Or maybe he's sort of mad at me and will never let me back like, you know, into being like his tight buddy again. But somehow along the way, what we do is we end up shifting and adjusting and, and trying to solve things on our own apart from God. God, so far I've blown it so many times. Maybe you and I are never going to be where it used to be. And so what I'll do is, God, is I'll, since, since this hasn't been fixed, I'll just try to fix it on my own. And what we do is we adjust. And then what happens is this distance decay sets in. And what 
What's happening here is John is saying, listen, whoa, hold on, everybody. Don't forget how the relationship used to be, or for some of you, how the relationship could be. This is not a religious thing. This is not us just kind of walking through the motions, doing church as usual. No, this is at any given Sunday. Any given Sunday, God could show up and do the unimaginable. Do you remember in Genesis, God but spoke a word and created the world? With a word, with just like a, God could change it all over again. With, with a snap of his fingers, God could, could, could change your life forever, just like he did in mine 20-some years ago. I'm here on this stage because God moved my heart 24 or 5 years ago. That's crazy, right? I would have quit 100 times had that not been a very real experience for me. God wants us to get to a place where on any given Sunday, even Saturday night, we begin thinking about what could God do in our church. You know, we've had an incredible run in six years. We've, 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 we've boasted some wonderful God-sized stats. We, we now have well over a thousand people that have bowed the knee and made Jesus leader and forgiver of their life in our church. That's like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. I was telling a couple other pastors just last week, I was saying, man, our church is really awesome. We have like 50 4% was our stat. 54% of our church said prior to being in my, in my church, they weren't a part of a church. They were new to this whole God thing. They're, and they were saying, are you kidding me? Like, dude, they filled the cards out. We, we, we were clear. And we found out that out of that number, 45% of you that were surveyed on that day gave your life to Christ. That's unbelievable. Amazing. That is God's work all together. But over time, over time, it's so easy to drift relationally. It's so easy to think, I put this sort of like in Christmas around my house. Now that we have three kids, guess who gets all the gifts? Come on, you're just holding back on me. Come on. Who gets all the gifts in our house? Someone said, Dad, it's not Dad. <laughs> I promise you. That was one of the kids that thinks that. No, no, no. The kids get all the gifts. Before kids, guess who got all the gifts? You know what we might get now? I might get a necktie. And I'm not upset about it. It's just, it is what it is, right? But in that same way, isn't it, isn't it like that relationally with God? We forego thinking God's going to do something in our heart or fix something in our life or, or give us a clear purpose or illuminate Like, God, give me a direction here. I need to know if I need to go north, south, marry this guy, quit this, start that. Some of us have gotten to the place where we just think maybe it's not going to happen. And so we think because of that, I just need to back off and find a way to manage this where it's acceptable, right? And so we kind of back off a little bit. We kind of cower in our steps a little bit, and we just think, well, I don't want to look stupid here. I don't want to really step out in big, bold faith. And God's going, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Consider how far you've fallen. I'm God. You know, scripturally, it says this, Matthew 18, 20, it says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Do you know our church's founding scripture verse that we even found our name out of? Matthew 8, 16, 18, upon this rock, 
listen to the authority in this verse. Upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a strong verse, right? That kind of gives you the strength and power of God, and also his love and hope for the church. Listen, I want to stand on that rock. I want to be on that rock. God, I want to be so in tune with you that you have your way and your will in my life, and I don't deviate and lose heart and hope of what you want in my life or on our church or for our city. Could you imagine what it would look like if every single person in this room said, I'm going all in and expecting God. I'm going to step out in faith and trust and expect that God wants to do something in my life and through my life to change the world. What would happen if that happened? You would grow tremendously. Your life would be transformed, and we would change the world. It would happen. It would happen. How do I know that? That's why Jesus came. That's why he came. And he calls to us, his church, and he says, consider how far you've fallen. And then he goes on to say, repent and do the things you first did. Now, it's a little vague there. We might have to fill in some blanks. But John's writing, Jesus, God's talking through him, repent. Like if there's anything there in the heart that's drifted or you've done, just, just, I'm sorry, God. I cry out to you and say, I need you, God, I'm sorry. Repent and do the things you first did. And this is, this is the claim. This is the promise. If you repent, I will come to you. And, and especially like where two or three are gathered. In, in, a, in a circle like this, if you repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Or if you do not, I, I just reversed that. It's a little dyslexia there. Sorry about that. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, all right, still compliment sandwich. Here's the, you know, it's like a little strong language here. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Do you know why some churches are no longer in existence today? Let's just be honest. Because God's no longer in them. You know why some churches are dead as a doornail? Because God, God moved on. Now, he's still in hearts. He's not, he's not leaving us. We don't lose our salvation. I'll use a verse in just a minute to prove that. But let's just be honest. When the light goes out, when God says, I'm going to remove myself, I'm going to remove the presence, churches lose their influence. We see God activity sort of squelched and diminish. Here's the deal. When our faith, when our, when our expectancy, when our faith connects with God's faithfulness, anything can happen, right? What does God want from us? One word in the Bible. All through the Bible, God says one thing that he wants from us, and that's it. He wants our faith. What are the three biggest things that you, th- you can think of that are lost, potentially, in a marriage if you don't work at them over a period of time, what do you lose? I, I know the guys are thinking of one, but don't say it quite like that. Let's call it passion. All right, and passion's a whole lot broader than what all the guys thought, okay? But, but in, in marriage, you can lose passion, right? You can lose passion. I remember Christy and I laying up all night in different states talking on the phone with each other. Now we text right? We just like, hey, love you, baby. Talk to you later. I'm out of town. We'll be back a couple days. You know, we text. 
right? I remember, we would, we would, I remember when it was all I could do to find a phone to talk to my wife. That was before there were cell phones. Does anybody even go back that far? Ed, you do. Dan, you do too. <clears throat> Nancy, you don't. In the very same way, God is calling us that that type of relationship, connectivity with him. We lose passion. What else do we lose? We lose communication. Over time, if you don't work at this relationship, communication's lost. What if God was calling us to repent from, from like lack of talking to him, lack of praying to him? God, I, I kind of lost faith and I quit praying to you. God, I kind of forgot that you really could do anything on any given Sunday, and I kind of just, I, I adjusted. I found something more manageable. I found a new crutch. I found something else I'm leaning on rather than going to you, the source of all power, all strength, all hope, everything. Maybe we need to repent. God, I'm sorry I've lost my passion. I want it back. God, I- I'm repenting because I'm not praying and I'm not listening. And thirdly, I, I think in, in re- marriage relationships, I think we lose, I think we lose, uh, what's, what's the third one? You guys help me with that. Trust. You know what that looks like? Do you know what gets God so excited and so fired up? When we trust him. Guess what? There's been many experiences. I take my wife hiking. We do something crazy. I remember one, one visual that I have about five, six years ago. I'm on the other side of this, like, kind of, kind of cliffy waterfall where I've just walked across. It's very safe, and I'm within reaching distance, and I'm going, come on, just trust me. Just trust me. And she's like, I don't want to do it. I'm going to fall. I'm like, just trust me. I'm good. I'm good. We're good. I remember when she like, all right, I'm trusting you. And I, I took her hand. I pulled her across, and she was safe. And I was like, I am the man, right? <laughs> I promise you when you trust God and whatever it is he might be leading you to do you step and do it God is just like "Mm, raise the roof I love it I love it I love when my children are trusting me so when John writes this he closes out and he says whoever has ears not just naturally God knows we have ears but whoever's hearing me, whoever's, whoever's paying attention to what the Spirit is saying to the church, go for it. Go do it. I want to end with this verse, and here's, here's the ultimate challenge for today. Here is the challenge. David, one of the great writers of the Psalms, in his stress and his struggles of life, He says this, and I think this is the theme verse for this series, the theme verse, and the challenge for us today is this. Psalms 107.9 says, For he, speaking of Jesus, speaking of God, for he satisfies who? He satisfies who? The thirsty, not the ones who aren't thirsty. As if if your faith is, I'm going to show up thirsty, or he satisfies the thirsty and fills the who? The hungry with what? good things. Some of us today, God is saying, consider how far you've fallen. And I want you to get back to the place where you're showing up 
thirsty because if you're showing up with anticipation and thirst and hunger for me, guess what? I'll show you good things. I'll do good things. I'll prove to you that I'm God. Some of you, your faith has wavered because you backed off and adjusted. God doesn't have to strut his stuff any longer because you're not even looking that direction. God wants to show off because he wants to build some faith in some followers so they can say and reflect and point to, look what God has done. God wants to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Guess what? God wants us to get fired up and show up every Sunday thinking God's going to blow the doors off this place. I'm going to have my heart changed. God may lead my friend who comes with me today. He may go from darkness to light today. God wants to do that kind of stuff. Maturity's not saying, well, if he doesn't do it this week, let me just go through the motions. Now listen, there's, there's definitely some maturity with persevering. There's definitely some persevering with even when you don't feel God, you continue to do what's right. That's maturity. But it's greater maturity to continue to follow God and still expect the unexpected. Why? Because he's God. He's God. And he wants to grow your faith. Let's pray. God, I pray as we consider how as a church and as individuals, we'd show up thirsty, how we'd show up hungry. God, I pray that you would give us ears to absorb this passage today and use it, God, to challenge our hearts, to lead us closer to you, God, and to to call us all to a place of any given Sunday, and God, really truthfully, any time throughout the week that, that God can and will do great and mighty things. And God, I pray for every person in this room today, that we would have a season of like new, fresh connectivity with you and new, fresh growth with you. And God, I pray as oh, we looked at what David wrote, that you would, you, would, you would show us good things. God, I pray that you would grow our hope and our faith and our belief in you as we take steps of faith towards you. So God, give us courage. Give us courage to step out for you. God, give us courage to stand up for you. God, give us courage to to do whatever it might be, God, right now that you're leading us to do or to think or to ask of you. God, I pray that this would be a church that you would leverage our, our hurts, our struggles, our our problems. God, you would leverage them to lead us back to you and you would leverage them to lead others to you. God, use our stuff for other people's forever. God, I pray as we we think about Easter coming up, God, I pray that we would right now begin to plan for and expect you to move powerfully. God, we're praying for hundreds of people to give their life to you. We're just just saying it. God, we pray that, that, that... you would provide the resources, the manpower, and all that we would need, God, to make your name famous. God, I pray they would start right here in our hearts with saying to you today, God, forgive me. Let me have the passion I used to have. God, forgive me. 
I want to communicate and lean and follow and trust in you. We thank you for your grace, God, that we do not deserve. In your precious name we pray, amen.